This is Audible. The Virtue of Selfishness by Ayn Rand. Introduction. The title of this book may evoke the kind of question that I hear once in a while: Why do you use the word selfishness to denote virtuous qualities of character? When that word antagonizes so many people to whom it does not mean the things you mean, to those who ask it, my answer is, for the reason that makes you afraid of it. But there are others who would not ask that question, sensing the moral cowardice it implies, yet who are unable to formulate my actual reason or to identify the profound moral issue involved. It is to them that I will give a more explicit answer. It is not a mere semantic issue, nor a matter of arbitrary choice. The meaning ascribed in popular usage to the word selfishness is not merely wrong; it represents a devastating intellectual package deal, which is responsible more than any other single factor for the arrested moral development of mankind. In popular usage, the word selfishness is a synonym of evil. The image it conjures is of a murderous brute who tramples over piles of corpses to achieve his own ends, who cares for no living being and pursues nothing but the gratification of the mindless whims of any immediate moment. Yet the exact meaning and dictionary definition of the word selfishness is concern with one's own interests. This concept does not include a moral evaluation. It does not tell us whether concern with one's own interests is good or evil, nor does it tell us what constitutes man's actual interests. It is the task of ethics to answer such questions. The ethics of altruism has created the image of the brute as its answer, in order to make men accept two inhuman tenets: a, that any concern with one's own interests is evil. Regardless of what these interests might be, and b that the brute's activities are, in fact, to one's own interest, which altruism enjoins man to renounce for the sake of his neighbors. For a view of the nature of altruism, its consequences, and the enormity of the moral corruption it perpetrates, I shall refer you to Atlas Shrugged or to any of today's newspaper headlines. What concerns us here is altruism's default in the field of ethical theory. There are two moral questions which altruism lumps together into one package deal: one, what are values; two, who should be the beneficiary of values. Altruism substitutes the second for the first. It evades the task of defining a code of moral values. Thus, leaving man, in fact, without moral guidance, altruism declares that any action taken for the benefit of others is good, and any action taken for one's own benefit is evil. Thus, the beneficiary of an action is the only criterion of moral value, and so long as that beneficiary is anybody other than oneself, anything goes. Hence, the appalling immorality. The chronic injustice, the grotesque double standards, the insoluble conflicts and contradictions that have characterized human relationships and human societies throughout history, under all the variants of the altruist ethics. Observe the indecency of what passes for moral judgments today.
An industrialist who produces a fortune and a gangster who robs a bank are regarded as equally immoral, since they both sought wealth for their own selfish benefit. A young man who gives up his career in order to support his parents and never rises beyond the rank of grocery clerk is regarded as morally superior to the young man who endures an excruciating struggle and achieves his personal ambition. A dictator is regarded as moral, since the unspeakable atrocities he committed were intended to benefit the people, not himself. Observe what this beneficiary criterion of morality does to a man's life. The first thing he learns is that morality is his enemy. He has nothing to gain from it. He can only lose: self-inflicted loss, self-inflicted pain, and the gray, debilitating pall of an incomprehensible duty is all that he can expect. He may hope that others might occasionally sacrifice themselves for his benefit, as he grudgingly sacrifices himself for theirs. But he knows that the relationship will bring mutual resentment, not pleasure, and that morally their pursuit of values will be like an exchange of unwanted, unchosen Christmas presents, which neither is morally permitted to buy for himself. Apart from such times as he manages to perform some act of self-sacrifice, he possesses no moral significance. Morality takes no cognizance of him and has nothing to say to him for guidance in the crucial issues of his life. It is only his own personal, private, selfish life, and as such, it is regarded either as evil or, at best, amoral. Since nature does not provide man with an automatic form of survival, since he has to support his life by his own effort, the doctrine that concern with one's own interests is evil means that man's desire to live is evil, that man's life as such is evil. No doctrine could be more evil than that. Yet that is the meaning of altruism, implicit in such examples as the equation of an industrialist with a robber. There is a fundamental moral difference between a man who sees his self-interest in production and a man who sees it in robbery. The evil of a robber does not lie in the fact that he pursues his own interests, but in what he regards as to his own interest. Not in the fact that he pursues his values, but in what he chose to value. Not in the fact that he wants to live, but in the fact that he wants to live on a subhuman level. See the objectivist ethics. If it is true that what I mean by selfishness is not what is meant conventionally, then this is one of the worst indictments of altruism. It means that altruism permits no concept of a self-respecting, self-supporting man. A man who supports his life by his own effort and neither sacrifices himself nor others. It means that altruism permits no view of men except as sacrificial animals and profiteers on sacrifice, as victims and parasites. That it permits no concept of a benevolent coexistence among men. That it permits no concept of justice. If you wonder about the reasons behind the ugly mixture of cynicism and guilt in which most men spend their lives, these are the reasons: cynicism because they neither practice nor accept the altruist morality, guilt because they dare not reject it. 
To rebel against so devastating an evil, one has to rebel against its basic premise. To redeem both man and morality, it is the concept of selfishness that one has to redeem. The first step is to assert man's right to a moral existence, that is, to recognize his need of a moral code to guide the course and the fulfillment of his own life. For a brief outline of the nature and the validation of a rational morality, see my lecture on the objectivist ethics, which follows. The reasons why man needs a moral code will tell you that the purpose of morality is to define man's proper values and interests. That concern with his own interests is the essence of a moral existence, and that man must be the beneficiary of his own moral actions. Since all values have to be gained and/or kept by men's actions, any breach between actor and beneficiary necessitates an injustice, the sacrifice of some men to others. Of the actors to the non-actors, of the moral to the immoral, nothing could ever justify such a breach, and no one ever has. The choice of the beneficiary of moral values is merely a preliminary or introductory issue in the field of morality. It is not a substitute for morality, nor a criterion of moral value, as altruism has made it. Neither is it a moral primary. It has to be derived from and validated by the fundamental premises of a moral system. The objectivist ethics holds that the actor must always be the beneficiary of his action, and that man must act for his own rational self-interest. But his right to do so is derived from his nature as man and from the function of moral values in human life. And therefore, is applicable only in the context of a rational, objectively demonstrated and validated code of moral principles, which define and determine his actual self-interest. It is not a license to do as he pleases, and it is not applicable to the altruist's image of a selfish brute, nor to any man motivated by irrational emotions, feelings, urges, wishes, or whims. This is said as a warning against the kind of Nietzschean egoists, who in fact are a product of the altruist morality, and represent the other side of the altruist coin. The men who believe that any action, regardless of its nature, is good if it is intended for one's own benefit, just as the satisfaction of the irrational desires of others is not a criterion of moral value, neither is the satisfaction of one's own irrational desires. Morality is not a contest of whims. See Mr. Brandon's articles, Counterfeit Individualism, and Isn't Everyone Selfish? Which follow. A similar type of error is committed by the man who declares that since man must be guided by his own independent judgment, any action he chooses to take is moral if he chooses it. One's own independent judgment is the means by which one must choose one's actions. But it is not a moral criterion nor a moral validation. Only reference to a demonstrable principle can validate one's choices. Just as man cannot survive by any random means, but must discover and practice the principles which his survival requires, so man's self-interest cannot be determined by blind desires or random whims, but must be discovered and achieved by the guidance of rational principles. 
This is why the objectivist ethics is a morality of rational self-interest or of rational selfishness. Since selfishness is concern with one's own interests, the objectivist ethics uses that concept in its exact and purest sense. It is not a concept that one can surrender to man's enemies, nor to the unthinking misconceptions, distortions, prejudices, and fears of the ignorant and the irrational. The attack on selfishness is an attack on man's self-esteem. To surrender one is to surrender the other. Now a word about the material in this book. With the exception of the lecture on ethics, it is a collection of essays that have appeared in the Objectivist Newsletter, a monthly journal of ideas edited and published by Nathaniel Brandon and myself. The newsletter deals with the application of the philosophy of objectivism to the issues and problems of today's culture. More specifically, with that intermediary level of intellectual concern which lies between philosophical abstractions and the journalistic concretes of day-by-day existence, its purpose is to provide its readers with a consistent philosophical frame of reference. This collection is not a systematic discussion of ethics, but a series of essays on those ethical subjects which needed clarification in today's context. Or which had been most confused by altruism's influence, you may observe that the titles of some of the essays are in the form of a question. These come from our intellectual ammunition department that answers questions sent in by our readers. Ayn Rand, New York, September 1964. P.S. Nathaniel Brandon is no longer associated with me, with my philosophy, or with the Objectivist, formerly the Objectivist Newsletter. A.R. New York, November 1970.